Jewish studies teachers in schools around the world often struggle with the challenge of teaching students text skills. Decoding text, identifying shirashim, understanding word meaning, it's hard enough in English, but in Hebrew or Aramaic, it's a daunting task. But what if a Torah teacher had a learning tool that helped her engage her students with the Chumash material before they even walked into class? What if there was a learning tool that allowed a Rebbe to know which of his students had prepared the Mishnah and what specific parts of the material they found challenging? And what if that tool was digital, online, and totally customizable, allowing a Murat to have complete control over what and how her students were learning? Now, Judaic teachers can stop asking what if, because we built that tool. It's called Kita. To learn more and get a head start on planning for the coming school year, visit kita.org today. That's kita.org. K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. Hey everybody, this is Ruben Sculter. Uh, we're going to take the week off, so we thought we would share with you an oldie bit of goodie about drinking on Purim. So, but, but before we play that section from a year ago, year ago, two years ago, about drinking on Purim, I thought I wanted to share with you two interesting pieces that showed up in the news related to drinking on Purim uh, that came out just today. The first one is something that came out in the Israeli press that probably didn't make it to the... Uh, English language press, which is a letter from select group of Rabbanim Haredim Bechirim, select group of, of rabbinic leaders, Haredi rabbinic leaders. They came up with a Psak Halacha that said one is not permitted to get drunk this year on Purim because of Corona. And the letter emphasized the fact that when people get drunk, they gather together and they could spread the virus. And therefore, these four Rabbanim, these four big Rabbanim, uh, signed the letter, including uh, Rav Shimon Badani, Rav Yura Silman, Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein, and Rav Sariel Rosenberg. I don't know exactly who these people are, but it was, it's a pretty big deal that a group of Haredi Rabbanim are making this call in order to prevent people from getting drunk. Whether people will listen or not is an entirely different story, but it's an important thing to acknowledge and to recognize that this is happening in the Haredi community as well. There's an effort to try to control the, the virus, even taking the initiative beyond what the Israeli um, public ministries are trying to prevent. They didn't issue such a call, but the Rabbanim did, and did, we should give them credit for that. That's issue number, article number one. The second is an article published by Rivka Press Schwartz and Rabbi Tully Hardstark in the, J, in the JTA about the fact that, and they, they clearly timed this right before Purim, that Yeshiva High School students have a binge drinking problem. They wrote about how the fact they've been doing the, a very serious survey of high school students Okay, and uh, and uh, a lot of interesting things to uh, a lot of interesting statistics that came out of it, which were positive, but they also said that while while twenty two percent of students uh, across America have taken more than just a sip or taste in the past thirty days of alcohol, okay, in in, in the Jewish community, the modern Orthodox community, that's thirty eight percent. And whereas 11% of students nationally say they have binged, which means five or more drinks in a sitting, 17 to 19% of modern Orthodox students say they binge drink. And that's uh, chilling. And that's something that I felt as we're talking about drinking on Purim, 
You should look at the JTA and see that article, read the article in full, and be aware that, uh, that this is an issue, this is a problem that needs to be addressed. Okay, uh, well, for further ado, I wish everyone a perm sameach. Enjoy the, enjoy the episode. Because it's Arab Purim, I, uh, we felt it was appropriate to spend a little bit of time talking about a very popular issue that, that's related to the idea of drinking on Purim. Um, Rav Johnny, would you mind, I, I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm sure it's very easy for you, would you mind giving a very brief, a very brief uh, uh, overview of the halachot, the simple halacha about drinking on Purim? Um, okay. Uh, there's a mit- there are four mitzvot on Purim. One includes a mitzvah of having a su'uda, and with reference to that, Gemara uh, states, Chayabadam Lusumi Bapuria, that to translate the way it's translated is a person, or as many emphasize, a man is obligated to become intoxicated on Purim to the extent to which they cannot uh, individuate between um, blessed is uh, uh, Mordechai and cursed is Haman. That's how it's phrased in the Gemara, and, and that's how it's codified in the Shulchan Aruch. But it really, it's not about the codification, about the discussion surrounding that and the application of that, which um, has led to considerable discussion, uh, because uh, the Ramah famously makes it clear that to have just a little bit more wine, and that's important to note that almost all Poskim emphasize that drinking here is a wine drink rather than any spirit drink, uh, and but you said that. Why do you say that? In the Shulchan Aruch, it doesn't say that. It says you need to be intoxicated, the Bsume. Is that only because the language of Bsume is about wine? I, I think not just that line in Shulchan Aruch, um, but uh, you, you asked me to put, to put me on the spot. I'm sorry, I didn't want to put you on the spot. Certainly, that's, okay. that's, that's the understood meaning of the Gemara. That's, that's certainly a notion brought down by, by numerous Paiskim. Uh, I'm very, very happy to put Mary McComas on our Facebook page afterwards, but Undoubtedly, many poskim do wish to emphasize that the uh, the ikar is imyayin. Uh, the ikar is with wine. If you if you if you want want to call it the chiyuv. Um, but as I was saying beforehand, there are more talk about drinking a little bit more and going to sleep, and, and in so doing, there's a kiyum of adalayada. Um, and, uh, and what many people wish to do is emphasize there's a vast difference between drinking to a point of being hazy in being able to distinguish certain theological constructs and being drunk. Um, and that's generally how... Yeah, I want to clarify. Mr. What, what, kind of, and what kind of levels are we talking too. about? Let's talk about what kind of levels are we talking about? Because I, it's important for the discussion. Because in the Shulchan Aruch, you say the, the, the language is You have to be so drunk that you can't distinguish between blesses Mordechai and curses Haman. That is falling on your face drunk. Can we agree that, about that? That's a good, good, uh, good. Uh, that's an accurate description of, of the level of drunkenness you'd have to do to be able to not make that distinction. Nope, we can't. Do, we can't agree on that for, for a whole variety of reasons. <laughs> no, no. Meaning, I mean, that's there's one level. The Ramah says you should be drink enough that you should that you should be tired and fall asleep. Drink more than you usually do. So that's another level of drunkenness, some level of drunkenness, correct? If it's, uh, Ruby, can I just interject? Because I just, sure. this is not a purely halachic uh, um, answer, but what it reflects is that it's not so clear that there's one way to understand, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the inability to distinguish. 
um, I don't remember who this is from. My daughter just quoted this to me, where she's some Hasidic Rebbe who said, well, what it means is that on the outside, you can't distinguish between Avraham Haman and, uh, and Baruch Mordechai. Right? You're like, you're no, treated. I'm, 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 I'm I'm Wait, one second, one second, one second, one second. I want to say this is important. But inside, in your panemius, it's very clear to you who Haman is and who Mordechai is. And you're still in a state where, um, where you're able to, um, to convey that to the world, where you're, where, you're, where you're able to convey this spiritual difference between Haman and, and Mordechai. So um, first of all, I like, I think it's a nice vort. But why am I- I don't understand it. I don't know what it means. What, what it means what is, is that you're not falling on your face drunk. It means that the way at least this Rebbe understood it was like you, what you do is you like tear off the external garments and uh, your own external garments enough so that you're comfortable letting your inner light shine through. But you need to be a person oh. who kind of, you know, that inner light is very clear about what is good and Wait, what wait. Is. How do you tear off that external garment? By, Through the drinking. Literally. By no, drinking. No, okay. Drinking. Maybe I'm like, that, that's fine. I like, I'm trying to, 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 to sort of set the parameters of the discussion. Because, right, but my point is that when you say, no, oh, it's so interpretation obvious of the, that the halacha no, is meaning? What's the simple interpretation of the meaning of the Shulchan Aruch? And then there's the Ramah. I just want to know what the simple interpretation is. If the person wanted to learn Shulchan Aruch and you know see what the what the what the what the Gemara says, did I did I misinterpret it? I don't well, think I did. Okay. When, are going to read it. I just want to make it clear. When you say a person, um, uh, not that life is quite always so simple, but if you're talking about an Ashkenazi person to to uh, divorce the Ramah from the Shulchan Aruch. Um, I'm not divorced from the Ramah at all. I'm asking you. I'm asking you as a Sephardic person. What 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 is the what is the Mechaber saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Sephardic person who barely drinks. So I I have one drink on Purim. Well, didn't we I, do we, Didn't we not just talk about the idea of submission? Meaning submission isn't just where you you know where where, where you don't like it on one side and submission on the other side also. I want it reminds Correct, me of a conversation. I, I, I also have pondered Adreyada in a in a slightly different way. To quote of Chaim Friedlander, I mean the Adreyada and. Arahan and Baruch Mordechai, in this case, is until you cannot mm-hmm. distinguish whether it was the uh, removal of Hashverosh's ring, which led to uh, the fear fact amongst Am Yisrael, which Chazal say had a greater impact than a, than a Memchet Nevi'im, than necessarily the positive contribution of Mordechai, meaning you're reading it as if you've got to be so drunk that when you're so slurred, I say Mordechai, was he the baddie? Um... I think that's a very arbitrary uh, definition. By the way, if you really want to nitpick, the Shulchan Aruch is generally quite clear in language. And if it wants to say, until you're drunk in your face, it could have said it in fewer words. No, that's not fair, so, because he's just quoting the Gemara. It's just quoting the Gemara straight. Correct. So no, but it could have clarified it. I think that's actually you know, interesting. I, I'm not disputing the, the notion I'm, I'm of intoxication. We're not even getting to the argument part yet. I, I, I would, I would no, have no, to I'd be over-arguing with you is that you're saying the, the halacha is so clear. And, what, and I think what Johnny is saying from a more halachic perspective, when I'm saying, well, whatever, I, I don't want to wade into it because I feel like my expertise, but I'm suggesting that perhaps... The fact that different postgim take it in different directions reflects something about how it's not as clear as you want to read it. Um, okay, because I think that the, the simple interpretation would make anyone uncomfortable. Meaning, you know, it's uncomfortable to think that a person would have to be so drunk that he that he simply cannot distinguish between two obvious things. And uh, and, and when you're drunk, you don't lose the ability to to. I would say to comprehend the difference between good and evil. 
you know who's good and who's, who's evil. It's like it's a little bit it's a little bit of a strange formulation. But what's interesting about it is that, and the reason it's such an important topic is because of exactly I think this issue. The here we have a halacha that simply makes many people, and especially in the modern community, uncomfortable. It just makes them uncomfortable. They, it doesn't sit well with them. And and for and each year, what comes up is you always see it. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to see it again. And I think we just, you know, Molly, you shared it with us in, uh, on, on Facebook, uh, a blog post by Rabbi Larry Wathrax, who I respect very, very much, about why he stopped drinking. Okay? And, he, and he wrote, as a father... And as a rabbi, and he said he drank for many, he drank on Purim for many years. As a father, as a rabbi, and as a teacher, I find it more challenging to effectively promote intolerance towards excessive alcohol consumption through the year, while simultaneously tolerating such indulgences on Purim. For many, particularly among our youth, the perceived disparity between these two messages is both glaring and compelling. So, how do you teach self-control and promote intolerance for drugs and alcohol, and then say to kids, "No, but you can," and there's a mitzvah to drink on Purim. These are really good questions. These are very good questions. And and so my the, the this isn't intended, was never intended to be uh, necessarily a halakha discussion, which is always interesting to me. And I find it really interesting that, you know, immediately, even before we even discuss, like you're not even willing to acknowledge that perhaps the Shukhanarach means what I think it says it means. That's really interesting to me. And you're right away go, you know, run to Hasidic interpretations. Like start with the start with the facts. But because it makes us uncomfortable. And what happens when we have halacha, you know, like we're always willing to acknowledge on the other side, you know, we need more, more halacha that has to be more liberal when it comes to allowing women or whatever the topic is, you know, Israel or whatever it is. But all of a sudden when the halacha is more demanding and it seems relatively clear, you have to drink something, well, I'm not comfortable with it. And so therefore I'm going to find a shita that makes me comfortable and I'm going to keep that shita. You know, I'm not sure, like, you know, like, it, it doesn't say, even if, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Ashkenazi Jew, I follow the Ramah. And the Ramah says, okay, you don't have to get that drunk. Okay, you, you should drink more than you're used to, more, and then you should go to sleep. And it doesn't mean you should have a sip of wine, and then you should then take a nap. That's not what it means. It means you should drink enough that it makes you tired and drowsy. And that's a significant amount as well. It's not one cup of wine. So uh, all I'm saying is... Okay, so, so yeah. let, let, let me I'm just... I'm not saying anything yet, in. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, I thought we were, we were planning to talk about kind of the sociology of drinking, but I'm, I'm more than happy to revisit the things that we said beforehand and, and crystallize them further. To, to respond, number one, uh, I don't dispute the, the literal meaning of the halacha in the Gemara Shulchanach. Nonetheless, I think the word of Sumay uh, needs to be understood, and I mentioned of Chaim Friedlander on the same daf the Gemara Megillah. The psume means the sense of metikut, and I think there's a, a theology which he describes then. So to to interpret it exclusively as being drunk out of your face, I think is uh, is uh, an overstretch. Number two, I mentioned the Chavitz Chaim here. I have in my hand the Bir Halacha who says. Uh, and it's important to note, by the way, that Din is in the halachas of Din Sudas Purim. So uh, I'm more than happy to acknowledge we're talking about uh, intoxication, but I'm also insistent that if we talk about it, it's within the context of a Suda. You know, drinking outside the framework of a Suda has no uh, permission granted to it by the Shulchan in the slightest, but goes on to be a halacha to say, So if drinking leads a person to be mafchit to reduce themselves, to lower themselves from simcha, 
right? Because he says, Shloni Stavenu Ansimcha Shel Holalot Vashel Shtut, Elevasim Shetel Tanuk. So naturally, this depends on one person to another. As I say, I don't really drink. So if for me having one drink uh, leads me to that, then matter if I've reached that level, if other people are more used to a high capacity of drinking, then perhaps a little bit more. You asked about Yain, the Chai Odom, notes that Kivan Shekola Nesaya Yain, Yain, the Chen Chidu Chamish Takel, in respect to Yain. So, Okay. That, that, okay. Ultimately, I, that, that's, yes, there is a din. Yes, there are different ways to read the Gemara, not to necessarily undermine its literal meaning. But the Psume itself is somewhat an ambiguous term, and it means something else, even the same daf of the Gemara. It's a din of Suda. It's, it's understood to be reflect reference to wine. And most Paiskim say, which is not drunkenness, this intoxication to lead to a certain level of simchashel mitzvah, which we, means you're not losing sight of... Uh, of your behavior doesn't lead you to shtus. That's okay. the key icha. I, I agree with that. I was it's interesting. I was in, talking in my uh, in my carpool this morning. We were going, what were we going to talk about? We're talking about drinking on Purim. So the person that I that I I, I ride with, she said to me, "Oh, I, I can't stand it. It's terrible." I said, "Why?" She said, "We did that in college, and it was disgusting then, and it's disgusting now." And I think that uh, that it's it's a really interesting phenomenon that. Yes, that people make an association between drinking on Purim and and wild, raucous, I don't know, like partying in college, which I never participated in. And and that association of 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 being drunk and having uh, joy in that way, or you know, partying in that way, they they that association makes them automatically assume that that's the only way a person can be drunk, and therefore being drunk is inherently inappropriate. And I have, a, you know, I, I have a story to tell, but I have, a, I, have a, I have, I have, I have a problem with that, because in my experience, like you know, especially when I when I went to yeshiva, I was never drunk until I went to yeshiva in Israel, and I, I in my experience, like drunkenness, it yes, it brings out more of you. That's definitely true, but if you're in an environment with people who are who are spiritual people and religious people, then drinking has the capacity and the potential to create a, 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 a you know, an enhanced, beautiful spiritual experience. It really does. And the assumption that, you know, yes, if you do it in a, in a if you're drinking in an environment of licentiousness and inappropriateness, it'll only lead to more of that. But if you if you're drinking in an environment of of holiness and appropriateness, it will lead to more of that too, and in, in, in a way that you could never experience and you could never have without without the without the 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 additional I would say assistance that the alcohol can provide, and that association I think it I think makes people refuse to uh, like acknowledge the possibility that there is such a thing as holy drinking, okay, that so there is I, such a thing as Appropriate drunkenness. I want to respond to that because it, it, the truth is I've been thinking about this for many years. And I think for many years I, I took the line that you took, which was um, because, I, because I do agree with you, because I have seen um, the type of drinking that you are describing, right? Um, and I, I will talk about that more in a minute, where, where really what it does is enables people to get more in touch with their spiritual side and to to use to use 
the, the intoxication, and I'll talk about levels of intoxication in a second also, to help them um, really celebrate in a more spiritual way. Um, I did say, like, yeah, that's because you guys, you know, you only associate drinking with, like, you know, being plastered, but that's not when drinking on Purim is. Um, but I think it's more complex than that. That's what I'm starting to realize. Meaning that chiluk, like, that, that distinction is too simplistic. Like, what you're saying is, oh, you know, that's like a modern sensibility that drinking is just this disgusting thing, but that really drinking um, can lead us to a lot of spirituality. And I would say it's more complex. I would say, yes. There's the modern getting plastered that's disgusting, and that's clearly not what Purim's about. But I would now, I'm starting with the years to realize that even among people who are who think that their intention is to um, use the drinking for spiritual purposes, or even if they're like good, well-meaning people, or they're in a yeshiva, or they're in a, you know, a firm environment, many people cannot do that. And I think that there are two reasons. One is they drink too much. There's a difference between getting slightly inebriated, a little tipsy until, um, you know, again, like inhibitions fall away and you can really get in touch with spirituality. And I also wonder if it has to do with different personalities. Um, you know, what a person's spiritual makeup is, what their focus is on during the year, um, what type of, again, I, I think they're like, I've seen people who like are, are very good people um, and actually very serious people and even rabbinic figures. And then I saw them get drunk on Purim and I was like, that really was not appropriate and not a positive experience for me. And again, was it because they drank too much or was it because certain aspects of their personality came out that I don't want to have to see aggressive sides, um, inappropriate sides. And, and so like, it's not quite as black and white as you're making it. So I would say like this, I would say, are there people? Uh, I agree it's not black and white, but that's exactly my point. No, but I'm saying it's, it's not, not just about modern sensibilities. It's not just about, oh, because they're, they're, they're just frat boys and all the front people, they know, you know, all the spiritual ruchin people, they know. I never said all the front people and I don't imagine for a second that the front people. Okay. But so, but I, that's, I think it's an important point to make, which is how much you're going to drink and what's going to come out. And I, 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 I am seeing with time that the people that the amount, the people that I've seen who are able to drink to the degree that they're that they're that they're drunk, right? They're somewhere between tipsy and drunk, and what comes out is something that doesn't make me uncomfortable to be around. It exists. There are people. There 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 are people like that. I've seen them, and I I I, I enjoy spending Purim with them. But the proportion of those people to the other people is probably like, you know, I I, I don't know what what the numbers would be. One in ten, maybe, maybe even less. You know, and, and that's just the reality that I'm seeing around me. So do with that what you will. But like, you know, that's what I see. So. Mm. Rav Johnny, Rav Johnny, what do you think? Well, I, I think the people who make remarks about drunkenness on Purim aren't making it because when they were at a Suda, somebody drunk a lot and was tipsy and fell asleep on the sofa. I, I Unfortunately, or, or this is a reality, you know, Sutters end and people leave homes drunk and sometimes they walk home, often they drive home. Uh, wait, let, let's, are, wait, wait a second, let's put that off the table. Obviously, why? we take it for granted that... that Correct, if, but the point is the drunken behavior isn't localized to... No, I'm saying about driving or doing dangerous Sutter. behavior. That's all I take it. I'm saying that goes without saying that, that, you know, if you can't take a precaution to make sure that you're not going to drive home drunk, you should not drink ever, ever, ever. 
Okay, let's, okay so I'm saying to you the following. Naniach, uh, that uh, in the ideal situation, people only drank at Suda. People drank to inebriation, but not to complete drunkenness, like I alluded to from the Bir Halacha. Uh, people certainly didn't drive home drunk, please God, that they should certainly not do so. That alcohol wouldn't be a gateway drug, what it is, and that we didn't have this prevalence of Kiddush clubs. I'd agree with you. Let's keep the, the Halacha as is, and be as loyal to it as everything else. But uh, like Mali was saying, there's a context. The context is people leave uh, Sudas and behave improperly in the street, both here in Israel and in Chutz Haaretz, because they're inebriated, undrunk, and people see that, and it's shocking. People do drive, and of course we're not endorsing that in the slightest, <clears throat> but that's a simple reality. Alcohol is a gateway drug, um, <clears throat> And we have this prevalence of Kiddush clubs, and I don't know if you saw that very powerful video made by Amudim about Kiddush clubs, but what we have here isn't just a problem on Purim. We have a problem of, of excess in general within Judaism, and certainly within uh, 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 affluent Jews in the diaspora and also here, where alcohol consumption is uh, far too high on, on a Shabbos, on a Yontif, and Purim's taken to the next level. So if we could be a little bit more measured in respect to the rest of the year, and much more focused on appropriate behavior on Purim, fine. But the reason why people speak about drunken Jews on Purim isn't because they, you know, cousin Shloimi had a little bit too much to drink, you know, in between the meatballs. I, I, that's not, I, I want to push back. That's not why people this. speak about I, I understand what you're saying, and I really do. But I sometimes feel like we... We live in a society or a religious society that that it has to be all or nothing. Meaning, you know, by the way, we all know in the non-Jewish world it's acceptable to drink. You know, there's a very famous like Jackie Mason uh, comedy routine. Have you ever saw it? You can look it up on YouTube. Where he says the difference between Jews and goyim is like after the show, all the goyim are gonna, all the Jews are gonna be like, did you eat? Did you eat? And all the goyim are gonna be like, you have a drink? You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's not in it is not in our culture really at all to drink, even though you know sacramental wine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's, there seems to be just a credible level of, of intolerance, almost to the point of prohibition when it comes to when it comes to alcohol consumption. And part of me wonders that you know is like is is this is the reaction when you say to a child you can know never never do it never do it then all of a sudden like you know there there is no education for for reasonable consumption. There is no, how do you teach someone this is an acceptable level and this is not? And maybe you could say, I don't know. I really, I'm not a social worker. Molly's going to like yell at me now. Maybe, maybe there is no such thing. But these things exist out there, you know, and they're going to start drinking. So are we teaching them? Maybe, Molly, maybe that the yeshiva, instead of giving them, you know, drinking, they have to teach them and they have to limit them and they have to teach them this is enough and that, you know, somebody should be watching them. But yes, there is an idea of, Tipsiness. There is an idea of appropriateness, and there is an idea of learning how to how to how to find the appropriate level without going beyond, because it's not all or nothing. And they say that, by the way, part of the problem in, in colleges and universities isn't the drinking; it's binge drinking, it's over drinking. And then they say all the kids hate doing it, but they all do it because all their friends do it. You know, and nobody bothered to tell them. Well, you know, you can enjoy, you can relax, and you can let go a little bit. You know. And maybe a Kiddush club, I don't think during davening is such a terrible thing, but a L'chaim and a Kiddush is not a terrible thing. But you shouldn't have five, and you shouldn't go to five houses. But, yeah, but you know, yeah. we people are so tight 
and they're so, no, you can't do anything, that if a person wants to enjoy a drink, oh my God, it's a gateway drug. And maybe that's why it's a gateway drug. Okay, because so that, one I, is not... I want to so, go ahead. a little bit on what you Sociology me. Okay. Sociology. Well, before sociology, I'll say the following. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess this is sociology, but it's not social. I think that the, the, um, the reaction in, certain, in recent years to be less tolerant is not is is Dafka not coming from a place of prohibitionism, right? Which therefore is gonna is leading to more alcohol con- consumption. My impression is that it's the other way. It's because society has, as as Rajani described, because there are really are serious problems with alcohol consumption. Um, about, it's it's coming into our community perhaps in ways that it didn't before. I know, I know that Jackie Mason routine: coffee and cake, coffee and cake, have a drink, have a drink. Right? That doesn't <laughs> be the reality anymore. It seems to be. That there's really um, within the Orthodox community. Ex- I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I, that's, I had a show. Okay, again, there was a Kiddish club, but it wasn't. There certainly wasn't a majority of the show. And okay, it so I don't know. Listen, I haven't lived in America for since nineteen, you know, nineteen ninety three. So I don't really. I can't speak from firsthand experience. I'm only speaking from you know what I've read and what I've seen, and a little bit again what I what I hear from my students. Um, but you hear stuff. You hear that there that that like things are, and the world is becoming a more black and white place. Ruby, it is becoming the idea a nuance is. But, but we're, that's our job. Our job is okay, to fight wait. against that. Okay, our job is to okay. say it's so not black first and white. Point, it's not- I agree. So my first point, though, is to recognize that this reactionary no is not it's not really a prohibitionary no that's causing the excessive drinking. It's there's a new challenge on the horizon. Uh, you know, or there's maybe there's recognition of a challenge that always was that there is really a problem here. We have to solve it. Now, I do agree with you. Like it, I would much prefer. Like I think it's a, it's an important question among the let's say yeshivas. Like how should they relate to drinking? Um, should there be zero tolerance, or should there be like everybody gets, you know, to drink a little and you educate them? But unfortunately, what's happening in a lot of yeshivas is not that the the the, the yeshivas are often encouraging excessive drinking and i know that and that is i, I don't think that's appropriate like right? we can have a conversation which is a more proper approach a let's teach you how to drink in moderation and i model that as the rebbe and i also drink in moderation and only get slightly tipsy and then you only get slightly tipsy and then you're not going to go to the next rebbe's house and do the same thing and then the next rebbe's house and do the same thing and the next rebbe's house do the same thing and then throw up and, and pass out in the, in the middle of the street um or do we have a zero tolerance policy because we think that's right so those would be my two options, right? My, uh, teaching them really moderation or nothing. But what's happening today is that we are letting, we are, my impression is that we are not, do, we are not educating that way. We are saying, woohoo, it's Purim. Let's get drunk and let's all be spiritual without doing either one of those two better options, which is let's see if we can get, be spiritual with, the, with no alcohol or like Rav Johnny's, you know, one minor drink. But let's see if we can teach how to drink until you're tipsy but then we're all going to stop and that's going to be supervised. But that's not the reality. If we could create that reality, so fa- fabulous. That would be terrific. I just think just that, a, that, sorry, that, sorry. that we live in such a world where we demand so much tightness and so much control that, that we don't give an opportunity for release. And without giving that opportunity for release, the release will come, but it won't come on Purim. And I think that people are not... Uh, we're not cognizant of that. And then we wonder, you know, why the release, when the release happens, we wonder, oh, what happened? You, you, never, you never gave an avenue for release. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, think about the yeshiva, Bachim. 
But you think it's so easy to sit around and learn yeshiva all day. It's really hard. It demands an incredible amount of self-control. And it demands an incredible amount of, you know what I'm saying? So maybe there are those very, very few people who just, who, are, who have that level of control that they're always, you know, yucky in every aspect of their life and never really need to, to let go. But that's not the human condition, I don't think. And, and I think Chazal understood that. I really believe they understood that. You know what I'm saying? Like we... We, we, we read the news, we, you know, we, how do we start this podcast? There's so much pain in the world today, and there's never any escape from it. You know, okay, you just so, but pick Ruby, up the news. The lease doesn't have to be alcohol. Can we, can I didn't, wait, 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 I didn't say always. Use the word always. Okay, but I'm you're, saying, you're saying Yeshiva Bachrimar, you know, like it's, it's the Chorif Zman Blues. Okay, so you need a Rosh Chodesh Mesiba, and you need to have a baseball game, and you need to maybe even bring someone in, and I will teach them how to meditate. Do you know what I'm saying? There are many ways. Well, why? Is I understand there are many ways. Your way is meditation. No, but because why? Because alcohol is not the same as a basketball game or a chagiga. It's not. I, so do you know that? That's true. Yes, it is not. Of, of course, it's not. I just want to cut in. Go ahead. Um, I mentioned before <laughs> that I don't. I don't drink. I think the issue is, and, and perhaps it's a new phenomenon. Maybe it's not. That when on, on a Shabbos people offer me a lechaim. Uh, and I'll generally say, uh, no, thank you. People presume that I must be a former alcoholic <laughs> and I have a problem. Meaning refusing drink in a very decent way um, is seen to be something totally improper, certainly for somebody who is perceived by some as a rov um, or, 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 you know, involved in Torah. It seems to be that if you really want to be accepted in the world of, you know, Orthodox Jewish living, especially within a synagogue community, then you need to come to Davin, you have to learn, and you have to drink. And I think that's ridiculous. I mean, as I said to you before, if we were just talking about Purim, just talking about the Suda, and specifically talking about wine, matoy, fine. But we have an issue in the community where it's considered to be part and parcel of the Orthodox lifestyle that you drink more than one on a regular basis. And and again, and if you you know gently refuse, it's perceived as if uh, somehow here Houston we have a problem. It shouldn't be the expectation that Orthodox Jewish living is accompanied by Orthodox Jewish drinking. Except of course on Shabbat when you drink wine. Twice. I drink grape juice. What? Yeah, but they didn't grape have grape juice, juice and they never drank grape juice. That's a modern innovation. I know it came from prohibition. Yeah, I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> but that, it's not an expectation of orthodoxy. When you grew up in Shul, Johnny, when you grew up in Shul and somebody had a yard site. Right? Well, they, of no... course, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. My, trust me. Did my we think, oh, this is so terrible that a... my Zeta had a lechayim in the morning with a piece of herring? You know what I'm saying? Right? And, and, and many people I know, my family included, uh, enjoy a nice lechayim. What I'm simply saying is, I've got no problems with somebody who drinks and who knows when to stop after one uh, and knows how to control themselves. Nonetheless, I, the fact that this is an expectation of lifestyle rather than necessarily something that some people choose to do. Um, and then people to take it to the nth degree on Purim. This is why I am, I will not say somewhat concerned. I'm concerned with obviously the outcomes which lead from this drinking. People who drink responsibly, let them enjoy it. That's, that's fantastic for them. It's not my thing. Um, and each their own. So I want, to, I want to go back to a comment Rabbi, Rabbi Rothax wrote. He said, our commitment to teaching values of self-control and our efforts to promote intolerance for drugs and alcohol are not merely obstructed by this apparent behavioral contradiction, 
They were entirely compromised. And I want to say, I totally, I respect him. I love him. I totally disagree. I think that, that it cannot be all or nothing. You have to teach people that, and I agree with you, it's not always, and you don't have to, I totally agree with the statement, it can't be an expectation of orthodoxy, but I can't, I don't think you can say it's all or nothing. I think you have to be able to say there's a time and a place, and that I, I you determine what the thing. time and place is, but, but to say that if you get drunk on Purim, therefore, you're all of a sudden saying that, you know, you, we, we compromise our intolerance for drug abuse. I, I disagree with that. Okay, but I, I want to say something might, else. I feel it might even be, it might, it might even be detrimental to it. That's okay. what I feel. I think that there's truth in what you're saying. But I, I do think that it's kind of coming back to what we said in the beginning. I think that there are different people, different people drink in different ways. There are people who drink in, in what I would call, let's say, a mature, measured, responsible way. Where like, you know, like what you were describing. You drink on a Friday night. You, you know, you, you have your alcohol. And maybe you have a little extra one before you go to sleep. And you enjoy your wine. And, you know, and that's fine. And you only drink at certain times and you have a mature approach to alcohol. And then there's an approach to alcohol, which is an immature approach to alcohol, a frat boy approach to alcohol, where alcohol is really like a woohoo. Let's, you know, it is much more similar to like um, all types of other substances where it's like this is a little bit forbidden and a little bit makes me into a bad boy. And like, you know, like I'm I I, like I'm a little cool because I do this. And that I think that. Unfortunately, that distinction between those two approaches to alcohol is the problem because what you're arguing is what what has happened to approach A? And I think what what I think what happened to approach A is I, no. think, I totally agree with you. I think you're just making my point. That's exactly right. no, what I'm saying is what teach, happened to approach have, A is that too many and people and say, have lost not, approach what, A. Where did they get that from? Where did they get that from? I and don't know if they I got it from the secular world. I don't know if they got it because they're immature. I don't know if they got it because as you said for buying Gunuvim Yuntaku and, you know, it was forbidden to them all their lives. And again, now they're adults and now they want to be cool. So now they want to drink, you know, like there could be that phenomenon as well. But for unfortunately, again, like the same, the same drink or the same evening can be appropriate or inappropriate. And the difference is going to be the attitude towards it and therefore the amount and therefore the restraint. And I, I and again, like you're, you're right about it. As is the same with every aspect in, There are of too life. many people for whom alcohol is immediately associated with approach B. Halavai, that it wasn't. Halavai, we were all, you know, a bunch of like, you know, extremely mature, extremely thoughtful. Um, I don't think you're fair to say halavai. I think as, as, as I think it's fair for me to say that it's I've fair seen too to much of approach B. I've seen too say, much of approach B. First of all, first of all, all I think Rabbi's going to say that I'm not going to drink. That's, it's absolutely is right. But people are going to drink. And people drink a lot on Purim. And it's much more responsible to say, we should learn to teach our children and our communities to drink in moderation because maybe they'll listen than to say, oh, it's so terrible. I agree. Terrible, Let's teach them approach A. I agree with you. Of course, that's what we should be doing. Let's teach them approach A. But I'm So when have you but when have you seen happening. a call before Purim, learn, let's teach our children to drink right, not, not to drink at all. When well, have I you think, seen that? Okay, so then that's something that our educational, first of all, there are educational institutions that do that. But I, I'm calling for that. I'm calling for it. Okay. Okay, that's my call. Johnny, do you want to end it? We're we're almost out. We're we're over time. So, do you want to add something before we finish? No, I, I listen. I agree with you. I agree in educating uh, to moderation. I know in the seminaries where I teach, girls go to to uh, teachers' homes and they're allowed uh, one small drink of, of uh, something, um, and there is uh, significant supervision. Um, uh, I think Yeshiva Bochrim have a whole different framework, which is, I think, often very, very regrettable. 
nonetheless, this is the Gemara, this is the, the Halach and Shochanach. Uh, I do find often people are very, very machmir with this halacha <laughs> and sometimes seem to be less machmir than others, um, which is itself telling. Uh, and, and, and if some reason or another I have, uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards the, the uh, shit of the, of the Ramah and others, then so be it. I guess everyone to their own uh, physiology. And nonetheless, we, we do need to consider how we're perceived by ourselves, by our families, by our communities. Yes, we should educate responsibly, but um, we, we do. the more we understand about alcoholism, the more care we need to show towards this being something that can lead people to, to, to this and other, uh, other behaviors. Okay, thank you very much. I want to, we'll wrap it up here. I'm sure um, we'll get angry. I'll get angry mail, emails. Uh, well, I'm quite confident about that. Um, if you want to contact us, people have been able to find us on email. Uh, or uh, each of us is on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. We're pretty easy to find. Um, please, if you don't mind, if you're listening on iTunes, rate us on iTunes because that, that way people will find us. And if, if you enjoy this podcast, or even if you don't, share it with other people uh, because we want to spread the word and we'd love uh, more people to, uh, to uh, share and uh, respond and to enjoy the discussions that we enjoy having. My name is Uben Spolter. I'm here with Molly Grabsky and Johnny Solomon. I also want to thank my son, Petachia Spolter, for writing our music. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a Purim Sunday.